Are you interested in leadership? Welcome to the Menzies Leadership Forum podcast. Tune in for insights and observations about leadership, the challenges and blind spots, attributes and values that you need to lead now and in the future. I'm Liz Gillies, Menzies Foundation CEO and your host today. Let's get started. I'm so delighted to welcome Anna Young to the Menzies Leadership Forum. Anna is the General Manager of Leadership and Talent at Wes Farmers and the foundation is so lucky to that Anna's also agreed to sit on the advisory board of the Menzies School Leader Fellowship Program. The Menzies Foundation builds multi-sector incubators to uncover new ways of thinking and working in leadership and Anna brings a corporate perspective which is just provides such insight and is making such a contribution to our work in school leadership and I wanted to have the benefit of Anna's wisdom and insight in this broader concept about a conversation about leadership. So Anna, welcome to the Menzies Leadership Forum and thank you very much for your time uh, today. Oh, thank you so much, Liz, for inviting me. Can you just tell us a little, just in anchoring this conversation, a little bit about your own leadership journey? Yes, okay. So I am a Melbourne girl, grew up in Melbourne and educated in Melbourne And I um, studied economics. I went on to study a Masters of Business Administration. So that's sort of the the education background. But And I I started my career in consulting, management consulting. And so that was very much focused on developing effective strategies and improving performance of organisations. But then over time, what I learned is that it's so much about the people, having the right people in the organisations. And so... That got me curious and I then switched gears a bit and went into people consulting rather than strategy consulting. So I joined Egon Zender and I I did executive search and um, leadership assessment and development planning and started to build my understanding of adult development and coaching at that time. So, And then I ended up being hired by a client. Um, Coles was going through a massive turnaround and they were my client. I was doing some work with their high potentials. And then that just led to me then joining the parent company of Coles West Farmers, and that's where I've been. And Anna, so just what exactly does a general manager of leadership and talent do in an organisation like West Farmers? Tell us a little bit about that role and the dimensions of it. Yes. Well, I think in, you know, different organisations, that type of role does different things. I think it's often a role where you have to define the scope or sometimes the scope gets defined expanded um, change for you. It is just definitely one of those roles. So at West Farmers, my role has really had four main focus areas. The first is, and we call them know, grow, connect and include. So the know piece is all about knowing the talent that we have. And and, and so that involves t- uh, doing talent reviews to look at our talent bench, you know, the who have we got and how are they developing and, and succession planning. So that's the know piece. The grow piece is really about development of those people and there are some, the top 30 at West Farmers, we take a bit of an active hands-on role in developing them, but the remainder of the senior leadership group, it's around 150 leaders, we work collaboratively with the businesses to to grow that talent, so through development actions. Then there is Connect and Connect is all about connecting our senior people to the West Farmers values, the West Farmers leadership model and the West Farmers leadership team themselves. So we do events, uh, things like induction, leadership forums, conferences and so on to bring the top 
150 together on a fairly regular basis. And then the final bit is include. And so at West Farmers, at a group level, there are two areas that we really focus on monitoring and measuring very closely. One is gender balance and the other one is Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander representation and employment, that and also dealing with suppliers as well. And that piece sits a little outside my team, but we work together. So my area is very much focused on gender balance, but we also provide guidance, thought leadership, practice sharing on other facets of diversity and inclusion as well. So, Anna, with that breadth of experience, both in terms of your career and the work that you're doing at West Farmers, can you give us a little bit of insight around how you think about developing leadership and talent? What's the perspective that you take? How do you start in even thinking about what that looks like? Well, where we start is thinking about what does the business need to achieve? What are the business objectives? And so broadly, I, I mean, you know, and often our, we're a conglomerate, so we, we're made up of different, different very autonomous businesses, so Bunnings, Officeworks, Kmart, Target, as well as some industrial businesses in Perth and in Sydney. So all of those businesses have their own objectives, but we look for some consistent threads. And so one that's quite obvious, I think, is this, this need to both perform in the short term, but build a foundation for the future and grow, you know, grow the business. So that perform and grow tension is something that we, you know, we look at, we, we think, consider what will it take to be able to do that. And so, yes, so starting with what the business goals are and then thinking about other, I think there's other sort of two, two other important things and they're almost like tensions, if you like. So the tension be- between performance and potential. So, you know, we need, in any organisation, you need to have a balance of people that really are performing, high performing, but they may not necessarily be the ones that have the highest potential. So being able to, to notice those differences and, and, and um, articulate that clearly and recognise it. The other tension I think that we think about is experts versus generalists because, you, you again, you need both. And so when you're thinking about an organisation, you've got to have a mix of those two types of, of individuals. So that's probably at a high level where we start. So this interest, uh, it's very interesting, this tension between performance and potential. Uh, and so potential in some ways is the key, isn't it? Potential is the thing that you're looking for in order to either meet the pipeline requirements or develop the capabilities that the business needs going forward. What are the sort of leadership qualities or attributes that sit at the heart of potential from your perspective? So for us, we define potential, we look for three things. One is aspiring. So what's the person's motivation for taking on more, taking on, you know, stepping up and taking on more? So what are their, what's their aspiration and how does that show up at work? Because actually there's healthy aspiration and there's sort of unhealthy sort of self-interest driven aspiration. We're not, not wanting that. But yeah, a healthy degree of aspiration and, and wanting more is important. Adapting is the, the second piece of it. And adapting is all about navigating uncertainty and being able to simplify complexity. And then the third thing we look at is engaging people. So and really bringing out the best of yourself as well as others. So yeah, we don't want people to be sacrif- feeling like they're sort of sacrificing themselves. It's about you know, are you actually bringing out the best of you in yourself? And that way you can actually be the most effective leader. So that's, I mean, that's a really interesting lens from a sort of business perspective of the sorts of things that you're looking, the lenses that you use in the business context. What do you think are the sort of individual attributes that underpin those three 
key sort of criteria that you you know that you've identified as the things most important in linking leadership uh, to what's happening in the business what's what are the sort of more personal qualities that yeah. you think leaders need in order to be able to live up to that responsibility yeah. and we spend quite a bit of time on understanding this actually we do we do use psychometric testing to try and not to rule people in or out but really to try and understand them and how their personality preferences are going to fit within a, a, a particular organisational context. So we do look at psychometric testing quite carefully, but I'd say the things we look at are the, the values, you know, so are the values aligned to our values and most important there is, you know, ethical behaviour and all organisations would say that, um, I'm sure, but it's really, um, you know, when... Because we have this autonomous model, one of the biggest employers in Australia, I mean, you have to, you can't necessarily monitor everybody at every, you know, at every point at everything they're doing. So there, there is this degree of wanting people on board who have a good sort of moral compass. And while we put frameworks, guidelines, compliance, governance in place, it does come down to have, making sure you've got people that have a good sort of value set and it aligns with ours. I think the other thing, again, it's sort of a, there's a tension here, I guess, um, confidence and humility because you need they need to be able to be confident, to be independent in their thinking, sometimes to make unpopular decisions, but then also humble enough to know when they don't know, to listen, to be modest perhaps about achievements rather than crowing about it. That sort of works well for us, that combination of confidence and humility. And do you think over the course of your career, are there different, do you think that um, leadership's changing? Are there different dimensions to leadership? Moral compass is often, is, you know, been a pillar, I think, probably from the beginning of time. But some of the way the work that the Menzies Foundation is seeing is just the sort of increasing complexity of the world, people's comfort in complexity, for example. Are, are you seeing, what's the sort of future of leadership, do you think, in terms of your observations about how leadership's changing in the context of the context we live in today? It's a really, it's a really good question. It's a big question, but I, I think there are some things that are going to stay the same, and then there are some areas that you need to perhaps dial up on. Or so, so the way we tackle that actually at West Farmers is we do have a leadership model, and that model has sort of stood the test of time, and we don't intend to continually iterate it or change it. And so that's all about, as I said before, engaging people commercial, you know, delivering commercial results um, or being commercial and delivering commercial results. So, and those sound fairly simple, but underneath them are some elements that we'll dial up or dial down depending on the times that we're facing. But what it means is that we've got these pillars that everybody knows and we don't change them every five minutes to jump on a bandwagon. But but there are things that are changing. I think within that, you know, we, one of the things we've dialed up on is collaboration and leaders who who understand that they don't necessarily need to have all the answers themselves, that it's about leveraging the people around them, drawing different perspectives. So really going from um, the sort of hero leader, the leader that can solve all problems, chief problem solver, to more of a a leader who can un unlock the, the talent around them and get the diverse contribution happening. I think that is a very real change. And I think actually the team members of today, the the you know, the team members are going to actually expect to be able to participate in that way. I think 
you know, the good talent wants to be able to have some influence on co-creation and shaping outcomes. Is that the tension between expert and generalist that you referred to before? I mean, the, the complexity of the world, things like emerging technology and these things means it's almost impossible to be the expert in that in the manner of all things. I mean, this idea of multiple expertises and the generalist versus the expert, how's that, you know, how are you sort of thinking about planning for that and yeah. making those sorts of things work in the context of the challenges that West Farmers faces? Yes. So I think we make conscious decisions about where we have some capability gaps and we and we invest in those and build those, whether it's through training or talent acquisition. But then we recognise there are that there are some people who are who are really effective as generalists and really effective working across a, a group of experts. We don't expect so so a good example is you know, data analytics, right? So, you know, we, like all, all companies, are, have really upped our game on the extent to which being data-driven is part of what we expect of leaders. But we don't expect leaders to be able to sort of dip down and, and be sort of building the models themselves and that they need to go off and learn how to be data analysts. They don't, but they need to understand how to hire the right talent. They need to understand how to ask the right questions to get the outcomes. So, yeah, it, it is a blend of expert and okay. generalist. Well, in, that, in the sense in terms of what you're seeing with your leaders, what are the biggest, the greatest challenges they face? What are the real tensions in leadership that you're seeing in your 30 and in the 150 in West Farmers? I mean, in, in the, the short term, the recent times, it's just been the constant, you know, pivoting and adapting to disruption and so it's really required those sort of fast twitch fibre responses. It's been very... So I think as a consequence of that, there could be people that are a bit fatigued from all of that pivoting and having to deal with things very quickly. But then stepping back from that, I think a longer-term longer, a longer term challenge has been for a while and will continue to be just disruption, business models being disrupted, new technologies and just, you know, the idea that you could sort of put a plan on a page, get everyone aligned on it and then just then just think, yep, that's it for 12 months. I think those days are gone. There's just the constant needing to be broad scanning and, and, and iterate. And at the same time, you've got to keep some clarity and, and some, a sense of direction. So it's this sort of being able to sort of walk and chew gum at the same time. You're trying to keep clarity but then keep yourselves open to be able to evolve and iterate at the same time if you need to. I think that's challenging. It's so interesting. The Menzies Foundation has been thinking a lot about the engine for that. What's the anchor that allows you to have feel comfortable in complexity, to be able to be conscious about being adaptive, to take account of multiple perspectives? You know, what gives you the imprimatur to do that? And increasingly we think it's this pivot to purpose, this this sort of idea that if you have clarity about, and it goes back to your conversation, your comments about moral compass. If you have clarity about who you are, where you stand in the world, how how you use moral reasoning to shape the divisions decisions that you make, we think that's a very strong engine for building a platform for these other attributes that allow you to navigate the sorts of tensions that you're talking about. How do you talk about purpose in the context of corporate leadership and how do you see that manifesting in terms of how you're developing leaders for the future? Yeah, I think it's essential. I think you're onto something there because the um, initiatives and strategies might change but your purpose probably needs, your purpose needs to stay 
stable and and it's essential because how do you know the decisions you're going to make or how do you know how to make difficult trade-offs if you don't really know what your purpose is so I think it's essential the way we think about it is you know, we have a, a corporate objective at West Farmers which is all about satisfactory returns to shareholders doesn't sound necessarily that inspiring it's very clear though but with that there's sort of a dot, 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 and, and the dot, 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 and is all the things that enable you to do that in the long term. And so that means that we're putting customers first. We're really caring about what happens to customers. It means we really care about team members and their safety and their well-being. We care about suppliers, dealing with them ethically, dealing with suppliers that are ethical. Community, you know, what's our contribution to community, the communities in which we're operating? the environment, and then finally just integrity and honesty in all our, in all our dealings. So we've, we've had those six things for a long time as a sort of addition to, yes, the satisfactory returns. And then our businesses all have their own purpose. They have So each business has its own purpose that means a lot to their team members. And I think, you know, the more when you look at engagement results, for example, having a sense of purpose and, ha- and knowing that you're contributing to that purpose and that your your team is relevant is so key to engagement, which then we know links to performance. So, and it also I think has a big link to well-being. If you feel like you're not contributing to something, it's very demotivating, and and I think ultimately bad for people's well-being. Look at it. This is really interesting. The extension of this is, you know, the other thing that the Menzies Foundation is motivated by is, you know, we're we're really seeking to work in ways that ask people to reflect on their own leadership, build capability, and then and then contribute. And I really just want to just have a little chat to you about what contribution is. It's interesting. Menzies' legacy is service, service to the nation, service to the, the greater public good, et cetera. And we're in, it's interesting. We're increasingly finding in our conversation service has sort of become a word people aren't comfortable with. But I wonder how you think, and I don't know why that is, whether it's because it's hierarchical or whatever but this idea of contribution and of sort of corporate leadership and of individuals as leaders in the business community how do you think about contribution or contributing or service for want of a better word that extends you know what's the role of corporate leadership of corporate leaders in this notion of the greater good of a flourishing life have you got a view on that Anna? It's so important it's important because you know, certainly large organisations have the the scale and the influence to to make a, a difference. So, and I think large organisations by and large are aware of that. I mean, you can just look at the progress that some of the progress that's being made on decarbonisation and renewables, the commitments that organisations are making are almost are running ahead of where the government might be comfortable to make a commitment. So, so I think there's some very tangible evidence that the private sector is actually recognising its responsibility. You know, you could have all sorts of debates about whether things are moving quickly enough and, and whether there could be more could be done, that's for sure. But, yeah, I think, I think there's an understanding of that responsibility at, at the top level. Beyond that, though, at a more sort of tangible level where, you know, everybody can make a contribution, I, I think, and your, your comment about the word service, so I think... To me, leadership is about service. I mean, you're in service of an organisation and you're in service of your team. I'd almost, you know, I guess it's a servant leadership kind of concept. But so I think this idea that you're, yeah, I think the 
I'm not uncomfortable with that term at all. I actually think it's healthy. We're all in service of our customers, our teams, the community. In terms of specific contribution, I just think it's so important. We have a we have a responsibility and an obligation as as you know large organisations. But then at an individual level, I think it's important for your for, for well being. And there's lots of evidence that if you actually feel like you're giving back and contributing in some way, it's very good. It's it's very beneficial, not only for the people you're helping, but also for yourself. So I think there's a lot. In, so I think it's just, it goes back to really clever leadership, smart leadership. You know, if you want to get the best out of yourself and the best out of your team, being connected to community and feeling like you're making a difference is it's really important. It's important to outcomes and, and performance. And yeah, so these things are all linked. I probably would love to draw a diagram or something to make that. I know you've created a lovely image of that and, and that sense of connection. You know, I think sometimes people compartmentalise their lives. I'm this or I'm that. But the, the way that you've described that just draws the very strong connections between, once again, I think being really clear on your purpose. And then thinking about how that manifests, either in the work context and beyond it, that I suppose is the thing that the Menzies Foundation is deeply wedded to building a conversation about for the very reasons that you say, because it doesn't only have an impact at the individual level for a person's sense of well-being because of contribution, but it has a huge impact for the community at large, I think, as well. But just in finishing then, Anna, it's been a really, I'm so grateful for the conversation. I, I, you know, for someone who thinks deeply about leadership and is working at the sort of, you know, cutting edge of leadership, tell me where you draw your leadership inspiration from. Yeah, so lots of places. I mean, I think I have been fortunate to work with some outstanding coaches um, that we, you know, so there's too many of them to name. I've been really inspired by the work of Robert Keegan and Lisa Lay around, you know, overcoming immunity to change because I think understanding the assumptions that we make and how those might get in our way um, and being able to step back from that and reflect on it and then make changes is really powerful. That's been a big factor for me, actually. I guess it's drawing from different, you know, different authors, different thought leaders on different things. I've found, and I think you referenced this at one point, Liz, last year, and I was like, yes, absolutely right, Victor Frankel, right? I mean, as we were going through all the the sort of trials and tribulations we're still going through them now but I just remember you referenced him I thought yes I'm going to pick that up and read um, some of his material again because it just seems so relevant so yeah at any point in time I guess I draw from different areas whether it's adult development or coaches and you know people around me I just I you know I I, I was thinking about it. when I've got a real um, issue leadership issue I have my go-to people that I know I can call on and, and bounce things around. They don't necessarily give the, me the answer. I, I'll come up with the answer, but, gee, it's good to have sounding boards with the, who have different perspectives. Well, and I'd like to say I think you're making an extraordinary contribution in terms of your involvement in the school leadership um, program and I'm really grateful that you found some time to have a chat with me today to give us another insight and perspective about leadership. So, Anna, thanks very much and I look forward to another conversation uh, perhaps at another time. Good afternoon. Thanks.